1: G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1201, which is entitled Research Station Z R S G. G. Our podcast title today is Madam Podiment. Now, I am Rob Jan and our co-host Megan McHugh is, even at this very moment, winding up her last expedition to the outer limit to the twilight zone and we'll be back with us soon for the moment i am still jan solo but today in the studio i have andrew Jux and scott robson who have a short movie which they have shown me <laughs> and i cannot show you at the moment uh, but it's called thelamos uh, which is uh, borrowed from the ancient Greek, meaning "inner room, which is kind of appropriate for their film because partly it's all set in one room and it's a space room. And this is a, uh, a film that's uh, been around the traps in the various film festivals and is coming up soon in some Australian film festivals as well. And hello, guys. G'day. Thanks, Rob? For, thanks for having us, Rob. Welcome aboard. Let's hope you don't throw me out the airlock by the time we finish the
2: uh, episode. will see how it goes.
1: See how it goes. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> My good behavior. Now, the thing is that um, doing a, a relatively low budget film is difficult enough. And then you throw in a genre twist. Now, if you do a horror film that's a slasher film, that's not maybe so bad because you're still dealing with a, a real world, often a real world environment. Uh, in this case, you've chosen to do what always is more difficult, set it out in space, which means that not only do you have to uh, come up with the environment to put it in, but you have to have the special costumes, the space suits, and so on. So, guys, where did this uh, idea come from?
0: Well, we were writing a, uh, a longer feature at, uh, many years back and we got to a point uh, where Andy said, no, I think we've had enough of writing this feature... <laughs> <laughs> do you um do you want to do a short film? And I said, well, coincidentally, I've just had an idea that kind of sprung out of that feature and wanted to explore even further. And literally handed over to the script, and then we worked on it
2: on and off. Yeah, we worked while. on it for ages, and um, eventually it, it got started. And we uh, started. We realized we need we really wanted to create a, a world, a, a real world uh, of its all of its own because uh, this other feature we'd um, been working on is a, a you know it, it's set in a you know an alternate sort of um, timeline and um, so from that really just it became necessary to kind of build costumes from scratch and build sets and uh-huh. and find locations and really try to create this uh, this other universe or this other world yeah, uh, it does, does feel like its own world yeah well you've
1: been you've uh, shopped this round to the uh 43rd boston sci-fi film festival where you won emerging voice award as best first time director so congratulations yeah, thank that. you that was great and uh, the starburst media city film festival in manchester uh and a couple of other ones as well as these upcoming ones uh which is the sci-fi film festival in sydney
2: Look, yeah, totally looking forward to really, that really really excited and looking forward to that that's um We'll be playing on the uh, Sunday the 21st in the mm-hmm. short short block. Um, so we'll be up there and uh, looking forward to getting up there and um, having a bit of fun. And it's, it's really great. The fe- I went to a couple of fests. I went to uh, London and uh-huh. I went to Boston. And just sit, uh, watching the film with a, a really captive audience that just love and want to see oh, sci-fi... A captive is- audience. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> is... Um, but you know, they're really, really interested, and, and it was it was great fun, and, and you know, couldn't get out of the out of the theatre at the end. Everyone wanted to chat and the like. Oh. It, it's really it's really a, a good fun. So looking forward to Sydney as well, and North Ballerine Film Festival, and then North Ballerine. So the Sydney uh, the Sydney one is our Australian premiere, uh-huh. and then North Ballerine will be our Victorian premiere. And um, we went down there for the program launch a few weeks ago, and a lo- lovely bunch of people there, the North Ballerine Film Society. Um, they invited us to come down, and um, that'll be on the. Um, we'll be playing there on the seventeenth of November, ten a.m. And that'll be a bit of fun too. That's, a, I think, a free program for the shorts down there. So get on down.
1: <laughs> if I, if I may outline the plot briefly, uh, after a, a nine-month transit, a five-man I-S-E-A ship arrives in Martian orbit where it docks with an orbital research space, space station where the, uh, the cr- newly arrived crew are going to spend 18 months uh, after that follows a fairly tense psychodrama which is actually Uh, tightly held together too, which I I really appreciated. Sometimes short films, you see too much that they're actually um, clipped from a bigger piece or uh, but this one keeps its ideas all
0: contained quite neatly. So
1: um, what's ISEA stand for?
0: That's the International Space Exploration Agency. Mm. Made up back in 1997, I literally wrote a hundred page history, future history of this fake uh, made up space program. Mm-hmm. And these kinds of little stories that we have along the way fit into the history of the ISEA, or IC. <laughs> <laughs> I-,
1: I thought it was a, a low budgy set that you built as well. Um, a little bit of a, a, a nicer part of the front of house of the Nostromo from Alien. And also um, maybe a bit of Euro, a Eurospace sci-fi series that I've seen, but a lot of peop- other people haven't, called Space Island 1. No, nobody's, no, nobody's no, seen that one. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, you've got your tread plate on the floor. You've got your decals on the wall. Um, a restrained amount of, um, of detail, so you haven't gone full sort of Star Wars greebly with all the bits and pieces all around it. Um, mm. And I found one of the things that really impressed me was a
2: moulded ladder. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well molded is as what it was supposed to look like, and that's yeah. great that it does. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that's just routed out of some MDF <laughs> so, nah. and painted up. The whole thing, the whole thing is is uh, the set is made up of. You know, bits and pieces. of A lot of it's um, roadside, um, you know, hard rubbish collection. Yeah. And bits and pieces we gathered off the building sites and um, this, that and the other. A lot, a lot of recycled material, but then just a great paint job over the top. You yeah. You know, really, really uh, shines everything up.
1: It's it's the unifying paint job that pulls everything together, yeah. isn't it? MB, MDF is a bugger to paint. You've got to prime it properly yeah, first. Yeah, there was or... a
2: lot of prep work in, in that. But uh, that was um, – you talk about how, how sort of uh, – streamlined it is and that was part of that was really deliberate we we really wanted a, a really clean clean sort of environment clean looking environment that uh-huh. um we wanted the whole film to have that sort of feel it, it's, a, it's supposed to have a little bit of a comic book sort of um uh, feel to the, the visuals and um and subsequently so and um uh, 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 Retro. It yeah, essentially it's just... A retro film to it. Yeah, retro, essentially just taking little elements from a whole heap of films that we've yeah. loved and seen over the, the years. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean there's, there's, yeah, there's not one film that you'd you'd say it's all, it's all of this it's a little bit of everything you know yeah, you grow yeah. up and you can't help but be influenced and by
1: remember it. when we still had that designer future for spaceships it was like yeah, it was 2001
2: it was moon it was yeah. space 1999 yeah, which we literally just went to see over the weekend at IMAX uh, thanks to reco- Yeah, thanks yeah. to your recommendation ah you saw it there yeah, yeah, wasn't we, it great
1: to see it again after all these uh, years how good is it on that <laughs> massive screen oh, too amazing <laughs> we, was, we was, spent was, a was, whole sur- episode yeah. talking about that I
0: was surprised <laughs> as to the oh, we couldn't figure out whether or not the print was any cleaner or the fact that it was on IMAX, it was just so close yeah. you could actually see the detail yeah. clearer than ever. So. It,
1: was, it still had the grain
0: mm. in the film stock
1: which
2: I thought, I, mm. speaking of, um, of, of film stock and so on, what did you shoot it on, your film? Uh, well, we, start, we we had a, a fantastic crew um for our first shoot we we did two we had two shoots they're so about a year apart literally um, literally a year apart i think it was almost to the day um the first shoot, we uh, a good friend friend of ours uh, ariel weimouth she helped produced and put together um the crew and uh, paul hughes was our yeah. dop and he they worked on a sony f 55, yeah, uh, and and with um, anamorphic lenses, and it was yeah, it was it was really really beautiful. But and then for the second part of the shoot, we went to uh, the second part of the shoot. We were we were Panasonic GH4. Yeah, we were 4K. struggling for funds <laughs> to finish oh, shit. it, and. Um, and yeah, we just uh, we had to do a second part of the shoot. A lot of our bits and p- our ideas they just weren't working, really. Yeah. So we had to sort of cut and change, and and that yeah. was that was a long process. Yeah. But how how
1: long year. between the first and the second shoot? A year, a year. So you had this? He's got the set in the garage for a year. Oh,
2: it's still there. Is it, <laughs> is it a single garage or a double garage? Uh, no, it's, a, it's quite a big garage. Actually. Big garage.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. It's not going to fit really in a single garage too easily. No, no,
2: no. no. So what,
1: we, what have we what do we got? Um, Three main walls and a roof, and it would maybe or or if you got more walls than
2: that, yeah. No, there's there's more walls. Well, there's the airlock, uh-huh. and then there's the um, the, the, the corridor, and that, that bends around the corner. And then that was redressed several times ah, yeah, for the, so. the bedroom and the, yeah. the, the med bay and the engineering. A couple of different engineering sort of levels, and, and um, there's a couple of little move magic magic tricks, like a mirror in the bottom of the ladder well yeah, to extend the, to the, the <laughs> ladder well <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. So. Yeah, that was all good fun. How, how how much fun was that? Just putting all that together it was just. Yeah. Uh, and that's part the of out. the reason why the set became quite as involved as it is because we were just having fun. You must have been
1: looking at Robert Rodriguez's uh, three-minute film school DVDs (laughs) or something along the way. Um, I uh, particularly like the the space suit. Uh, Was there just one suit built for this? Uh,
2: one main suit, one main yeah, suit, and then yeah. a couple of other sort of half-finished suits for, for the for the backup shots or the, the second person in the scene sort of thing. Yeah. So. Uh, that,
1: well, is
0: kind of, that is really based on wanting to go with the current kind of, um, or not current anymore, the space shuttle-style st- mm. orange suit, so pumpkin orange. Mm.
1: But there's also... Um Uh, A streamlining to these suits and this is one of my geek areas uh, that reminds me of some of the more advanced Mars suits um, sort of concept suits that they've got Um, like there aren't too many rings on the spacesuit on the uh, there's a helmet ring of course but um, not on the cuffs or the legs or anything like that so there's obviously some kind of advanced ceiling on there uh, and and very light padding and of course um, contrasting colours along with the the pumpkin colours and then the webbing that you've got on there and, and the padding that's in the strategic places like underneath the backpack so help yep. not wear so there's a for me there's a convincing sort of versi- similitude there and is the backpack a vacuum cleaner? It is, <laughs> it is. Well, not anymore <laughs> <laughs> but what I like about it is that you cut it in half to take the curse off it because otherwise it would look like a you know a vacuum cleaner or you pulled it apart no. No, no. no, no it was, it, that the, was,
0: the shape it, of the vacuum is actually the shape of the vacuum. It's, oh, okay. a, it's a one that uh, cleaners would wear on their back as yeah. they go around office blocks. So it's portable. Ah, uh-huh.
2: oh, okay.
1: But how so, cool is that? Because vacuum cleaners, apart from being in space, it's probably needed there. But you've got your all of your couplings and your hoses. That oh, can that go was into that it.
2: was fantastic. Because I mean, less things to make. All I had to yeah. do is just cut the hose to the length <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and and stick it in the hole we made in the back of the suit. So. You know i mean that that's that's some of the the uh the most enjoyable things parts of it were, were when stuff just came together you know you found yeah. it found a piece and can, uh, it just works you, know. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you actually bought the helmet in
1: yeah. <laughs> I just drag it over just to have a look at it and I'll just describe it to the audience um i I can tell you've used a um, a light bulb a light bowl for the uh, the top quite a large one too it's often hard to get large
2: yeah, that, that, that took quite a quite a bit of searching
1: actually perspex or yep. um perspex yep um yeah what what sort of i mean i uh, you know i've got i've got ones that are smaller than this but um this one's quite big what's it from uh
2: it's uh like a, a i guess you'd call it a bollard sort mm-hmm. of light you might see up the side of a driveway on a or large or exp- or here on, like on a that. pier you know sort of yeah so we had to cut cut the base off it of course and and stuck a uh, swimming pool skimmer box ring on there to <laughs> on the bottom to f- form up the uh, the ring that connects into the uh, the uh, top of the suit.
1: You've done a nice uh, job of mounting the internal comm systems in there too. Instead of putting it on a uh, what they call a bunny cap uh, that yeah, yeah, uh, they wear yeah. inside. Yeah. A little bit of padding in the back of the helmet for the for the uh, the knot the uh, Mars Nort, to um, rest their head against. And some, some nice decal work on it. Yeah, first class job. Very good.
2: Thanks. And it sat, it sat really well and was nice and comfortable for the guys to, the mm-hmm. uh, cast to use. So uh, everyone was uh, pretty comfortable in there, except when the, the air ran out occasionally. So. Yeah, a little shout out to Wayne Wilson there. <laughs> yeah.
1: no, no killing of the, um, the actors. Oh, like in... well, we,
2: we, had, we, we came close. We came close. <laughs> close. Like, no, no, well, uh, Wayne, uh, who plays um, with Staples, Lewis Staples uh, had a, discovered that he has a little bit of a claustrophobic um, uh, streak. Uh, right at the start there on the first day in, with the helmet on and you know he was, uh, he was getting a little bit hot and bothered in there and, and uh, we figured out later that the, his uh, little air pipe had fallen out so he was uh, <laughs> struggling to breathe that as was well. Really, so. That was also a really good lesson <laughs> for filmmakers is to go, okay, is there any problems
0: with actors going into claustrophobic situations? Yeah, so. So. Of
2: course not. <laughs> but, uh, but to his credit, he ploughed on through Absolutely. and gave us a fantastic performance. Should was, have, you should great. have
0: asked them if they could um,
1: if they can ride a A a thoat or something like that, or (laughs) another uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs thing, or something, anything. You know, before they'd started. Oh, is there going to be those in this film?
2: Yeah, of course, it's on Mars. Well, I I remember being asked by one of the uh, uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, during um, uh, auditions. He said, "Are you you going to be doing um, zero g as well?" I said, "No, sorry, we're going to." We're going to be standing on the ground. So Today is as close as we get to zero, Jay. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so,
1: so you could have said yes, actually. Yeah. There's actually one shot where you do kind of um, sneak that in, that sneak in a, a, mm. uh, like a role perspective on the set. You've turned the camera on the yeah. side. I'm assuming you don't have a gimbal-mounted set. No.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> and so nice. he,
1: but the actor who uh, sort of attaches himself to the wall kind of thing, he sells that quite well. I notice when he reaches down, he. I'm thinking,
0: oh, how did they do I know how they did this, but that looks kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool shot, and Tom really played that really well. Tom Farrer, oh. our, our lead uh, astronaut. So, our lead actor, I should say. Our main <laughs> astronaut.
1: I'm, I'm talking to Andy and Scott, who've got a film called The Lemos, which is a, a short science fiction film set in space. Really, I've really enjoyed it uh, both times that I've watched it now, and it's going to be at the Sci-Fi Film Festival in Sydney and also the North Ballerine Film Festival. Uh, the Sydney one's this month? Uh, Sydney's in October. October, okay. And North Ballerine is in November. November, okay, so you've to keep an eye out for that when it comes up.
2: I am Jim Michael Sridsky, creator of Babylon 5, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 RFM. Who are you and what do you want?
1: Roaring away there with Hearts and Rockets, which is the eponymous song from the uh, album by... And I've got two guys who can tell me about this, um, Andrew Jackson and Scott Robson, who've got their short film Thalemos out there in the festival circuit, and we've been talking to them about that. And that track wasn't from your film, but...
2: No, that's, I think that's a, a new single of theirs. Uh-huh. The album, they were f- formerly known as um, Heat Wave. Uh-huh. That's how we met them. And uh, they have sub- subsequently changed to Hearts and Rockets. And, I, and their album was Deadbeats. Beats. We, they were very generous and they allowed us to use two of their tracks. Uh, one's uh, End Song and another one is a little snippet in the, in the middle of the film. And uh, they very generos- generously... Uh, gave us that music to use which was fantastic and um fits in beautifully and i think that new track you played is uh, a new single of theirs mm. uh, kalindi
1: williams and kurt eckhart eckhart yeah
2: Eckhard. Mm. They came around a little while ago kalindi did a photo shoot in the um in the <laughs> set actually had a, a, a bunch of models there and um and uh, some uh um, outfits i guess from some local designers and a nice photo shoot so I think she's doing something with that so you're a very talented uh, couple of people those guys. So. When,
1: when you've got a space station inside your garage you'll find that it's like having a ute <laughs> or a van. It, yeah. Can we just get you to move this? So can we just come and shoot something in your space Yeah, Yeah oh, it's, it's
2: really nice to see getting some <laughs> some use other than other than ours. It's, it's, it's going to be a hard day when we pull it down. Uh, it's been there for a few years now. So it has, yeah. <laughs> a few years. So how long? Okay,
1: you know, you've got a, a film that's roughly you know, 20 minutes or something like that. Um, how, long did, um, how long did it take to make this, really?
0: Well, we started writing in 2013. In 2014, we started building the set.
2: We had kind of had a year off a little bit in 2015. and then Yeah, can we, can we, we went hard on the set and come up to sem- summer and said, oh, let's just take summer off.
0: Uh, working it a lot makes. of
2: weekends. Summer turned into a year.
0: So. That was the end
2: of summer summer. <laughs> You're doing
0: it in real
1: time, actually, for a Mars mission, aren't you? Yeah, yeah pretty right. much. <laughs> well,
2: uh, if, if it was real time, I think we'd be back already.
0: <laughs> we still wouldn't be on the journey.
2: Uh, yeah, and then, and then we, uh, we had our first shoot, and we, like I said, we, we, our story wasn't quite working, and we, so we had to reassess that, and that t- really took us another year. And so I think we added up it really. If we had it, hadn't have had the couple of breaks, it was about a two and a half year project. This uh, is a, this is the thing about um,
1: um, DIY filmmaking. Uh, you've got to spend a bit of money on it, and you actually seem to have, if you want to share the budget with the
2: audience. Yeah, yeah, we we end up. Well, we've added it up all, over all the years. About twenty five yeah. cost us, you know, which is. You know, which is not a lot of money in film parlance, but it was it's a, it's a fair bit of cash to us. But, you know, spread out over those years, it, you know... It's,
1: it's less than it's the a- catering
2: budget. For yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty people. much. So. <laughs> but, you know, this is the
1: thing. Um, the, there's an equation, and I've never actually worked out what it, what it is, but I'm sure it's like, um, it's like something like E equals MC squared, and it's, it's to do with um, how much budget you've got. And if you don't have a very high budget, then you've got to spend a lot more time on it. Mm-hmm. and doing a lot more of your own stuff. Oh, I,
2: I, can't, I can't even figure, I can't imagine what it would cost if you added in all the hours that we've put into it, yeah. in the pre-production and building the set and the costumes and everything else that goes with it. And then all the posts. I mean, we did pretty much all the posts ourselves as well with the, you know. Sound. Sound. Well, thanks.
1: Well, the yeah. sound. I think you've got some excellent sound effects in there. Did I, did I, am I right? Did I hear a, a couple of bleeps that sounded very 2001 ish?
2: Yeah,
0: there's lots of little references <laughs> here and there. <laughs>
1: Uh, And and I noticed that you got uh, Professor Alan Duffy, one of the Eureka Prize winners in there, to be your Capcom, your mission
2: control voice. Yeah, Yeah, that was a little coup for us to get some real science into... And he, I think Science he, he sent he uh, sent Scotty's dialogue, um, mission control dialogue, off to a friend of his, Andrea Boyd. Andrea Boyd, a real ISS flight controller,
0: and <laughs> to I, check the accuracy. Well, it did
1: sound so. accurate.
0: Yeah. No, I'll, I'll take the compliment. She only <laughs> came back with three words were changed. So oh. no, it was written pretty accurately to begin with. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it, I mean, not only did it did it. Um, ring true in terms of the content I thought it sounded good too every now and then you garbled out with it there were um, appropriate sort of timestamp beeps and things just little interesting components that made it sound really good so i think you did very well there with the visuals the, the costumes the set and the sound effects too and as we were speaking before the music sounds pretty cool too yep. you used it you've used, actually used it as, as um oh, got what's the word diegetic music um, produced within the environment At one yep. stage. they play yep. it over a comm system
0: that was uh, thanks to craig tracy our uh, music guy who um who supplied a lot of that for us and came yeah, up with yeah, the, other, the
2: other stuff? The other, the soundtrack sort of outside of Hearts and Rockets, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, what was your costumers' name too? They deserve a guernsey. Uh,
2: that would be me and my wife, uh-huh. pretty much. And my wife Caroline, Caroline Jack. yes so, yeah. so we, um, I pretty much made the helmet and and the, and the the space suit, but we all contributed to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's the bits and pieces. But yeah, you know, the, well, my partner Sarah, she yeah. basically
0: put all the actual blue uniforms. The Oh yes, the, um, ship, suits. the sh- ship suits, the jumpsuits, yeah. jumpsuits
2: together. Yeah, so it was—it's so. it's a real joint, um, a joint affair. We we're all sort of pitched in, and you know, had, my brothers were there on, on the on the shoot day as well, lugging, <laughs> lugging, <masters>. lugging uh, <laughs> gear up down to um, Fingal, Fingal, Fingal Beach. Beach. You know,
1: oh. uh, I wondered where you shot the um, the on Mars segments. Yeah. Where was this again?
2: Say it again. <laughs> oh, that, that, oh, those ones were done down at Fingal Beach. Uh-huh. Which right. is down in Cape
0: Shank on the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, and then the actual dunes will kind it's
2: of a secret location. Yeah, we'll keep okay, a secret. Yeah, because we got kicked out first time. Because so. everyone's going to want to go there. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we're saving that yeah. for the, for the yeah. feature. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I noticed you didn't try and um, mock up um, the low gravity on Mars or anything like that
2: because you know. No, well it's it's like on the ship as well. Oh. You know, I mean there there are certain there are certain restrictions that um that making a, a low budget film you yeah. just you just gotta live with. But I think I, th- I don't think it really affects the the, the nature well, of the film too much. No, so.
1: because I don't want to give it away, but because of the way the film plays out, it doesn't really matter, does it? No. no okay. No. Okay. Move on from that. We'll give too much away here. Um, the CGI, I thought, looked great. Um, the the ships, the the space station, the docking
2: sequence. Oh, there is no CGI. There's, there's no CGI. It's in not the CGI. Film. No, they're no. all models. Okay. So models it's all then. just composite shots. So okay. we shot all the models in the garage as well, uh, and. Um, had a, had a, a guy Anthony. Um, he made up some uh, the, the models Anthony. for us. Yeah, Anthony McGoldrick and, and myself. And, and Scotty made up the a bigger version of the. And just to then give we, it some scale. Okay. And we set, set it all up in the garage and shot all that in these composite shots. And,
0: and we didn't use any uh, for the most part. We didn't use any green screen. Uh-huh. We found that actually really difficult. So we ended up just shooting against black black, s- black screen. screen.
2: Yeah. And okay so it was all uh, because I've got a memory of watching a a making of Star Wars years ago and and just remember having the image of the models set up and the cameras coming past and all that sort of stuff and and that's essentially the way we we did it you know it was, it's it's all old school sort of you know. why are you fooled
1: me i just assumed it was cg because you know that's what everybody does in there yeah their and we did start there.
2: down that track and we did get a few offers we put a we put a bit of a you know a, a notice out on i can't remember the name of the site but we got a few offers but in the end we just said no i think we're just going to go with the old the old fashioned. We, the, we started down that track and we thought we might as well see it through to the end and
1: so you got a, you got
2: the, the the two
1: ships docking over over Mars. Yeah. Uh, it was a straight down shot. Yeah. So I, I guess you have got the two models in the same plane and the the whatever you're using for Mars underneath.
2: Yeah, well that's just that's just a, a, a an image in the background. Yeah. So that's that's a composite shot. So that's just two shots laid over the top of each other and even the ships that was there separate shots just resized and um and just the, the key part is just getting the lighting right. Yeah,
1: that, that was what I was looking at. The, yeah. the glow of the planet is really important, yeah, and, and
2: the direction the light comes out on the ships, and 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 when you've got movement, you want you know you're, we played around a lot with with that, and lighting is key to, mm. to all of that. So, mm. uh, and that would that, uh, and in the end, it worked out really well. Indeed. We're really really happy but with them. What you build the models out of? They're just plastic models. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the
0: big model is <laughs> made up of all sorts of. The big of, model is made up of lots of different things from the laundry and the kitchen and bits <laughs> yoga and containers and, and, yeah, and uh, yeah. uh, all sorts of different things but the the <coughs> frisbee, frisbee? Um, okay. the smaller the kornienko which is the arrival ship that you see at the start yeah um, the kornienko is basically named after a russian recent russian astronaut that spent an extended time on the iss uh-huh. to just defect to, to for future missions to mars to figure out um the effects of Zero G on long term. No, trust me, it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. <laughs> um, so, and that was literally a um, a, a, chi- a model of the Chinese sp- uh, space station. I just can't think of the name of it, but really it just modified a bit. Modified a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Off the, the shelf sort of stuff. Zubin Research Station, the ZRS. Is a model of from like 1973 of um, what they thought a future space station may actually look like. Okay, if it was going to travel to Mars, but 1973. It sounds like the manned orbital laboratory or
1: something like that. Something like that. Like that yeah, yeah. Was, sort of a pseudo yeah. Skylab sort of thing. Yeah, guys, you guys are space hipsters. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Um, now I saw uh, there's a couple of plates where it looks to me like maybe I was thinking more more <laughs> old school actually uh, almost like a, a dye in a tank a glass tank. Uh,
2: yeah, that was that was interesting. It was funny watching. We went to see 2001 the other night as we were saying earlier, uh, and I. I realized I've I really enjoyed that um, Stargate, that, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Stargate sort of effect. And then I realized that afterwards, there's all those sort of dye effects, and I hadn't put that together. Yeah. But I, I was at uh, my my daughter's; um, at a, she does girl guides, and we were there one night. And they were, it was uh, essentially milk in a in a, 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 a shallow tray with some food dye and a um, and a bit of detergent in it. And so they're, they're playing this, you know, doing all these things. It was a father daughter night. I'm sitting there watching the girls do all this stuff, and I was mesmerised by it. It was just amazing, and so we ended up using yeah. that. And we underlit it and, and oh. lots of stuff. So just just a bit of bit of fun there. With that. So. <laughs>
1: this takes this. us take it back, but not only to 2001, but um, who else used that a lot? Uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. No, sorry. Yes. Mm, Star Trek Roth of Khan actually with their nebula and also um, Close Encounters of the yeah. Third Kind, the cloud tanks big the big Cloud water Tanks. Tank yeah, and, that's right, yeah. salt
0: water and fresh water together,
1: together yeah. You must have all the Cinefex back issues <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Now, uh, on to the acting in Philemos, I, I, I thought it was quite convincing um, this is always a difficulty with lower budget productions uh, and I've always seen this, um, the biggest problem is is to get the actors to sound casual, yeah. like this is something that they're actually doing instead of this is something that we're making a speech about, yeah. and, and mostly you managed to keep it within that sort of real environment, and that's good. It worked well.
2: Yeah, they, well, we were just we were so, so chuffed by by the the cast that we got. I mean, uh, everyone that um, well, Tom, Tom Farrow who's our lead, uh-huh. he came in. We had we had a, an audition, and he came in, and he just he owned that. <laughs> place yeah. everyone, everyone knew straight away that you know he was he was our man. You yeah, know, he was the commander of the mission. Yeah. He was, and he 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 brought something else that we were just sort of not expecting, and it, it just it sat right, you know, yeah. and it worked really well. And and uh, Alexis, who's uh, uh, Alexis Watt, who's our lead female, she did pretty much the same thing. She, she was yeah. not owned her, audition. yeah. We she was not what we had in mind, you know. From a you know you, you paint a picture presentation, yeah, yeah. You yeah. paint a picture in your head of what someone looks like, uh-huh. and um. And she came along anyway, knowing that, and she was fantastic. And um, Philip... Klaassen, who oh, who God. He, uh, we, we wanted him right from the start just for his, his look. Now, he plays de Klerk. He, he,
0: Philip is one of those people that when, when you're just meeting him casually, he's got a, such a happy face, and as soon as he puts that de Klerk face on, it's like, oh, my God, the eyes are evil. I've
1: got to wonder what their psychological testing program was like to put these people together <laughs> on this long voyage into space and an even longer uh, sojourn at a space station. Actually, you know what this reminds me a little bit of? Uh, Solaris. Yeah, there's yeah, a little bit going on in
0: there. A little bit of that in yeah, there. Little yeah, a little that. bit
1: of everything in there. <laughs> a little bit of David Lynch. So, okay, this, is obviously, this obviously took you a packet load of time to do. Are you working on anything else now?
0: Yeah, we've got a couple of projects on, in, in development at the moment that we're just exploring which one will take the lead. Uh-huh. Um,
2: yeah. and one's, one's a sci-fi and one's... And one's actually a western. A western. A western. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Set in, Alpine Victoria, for lack of a better word. This
1: is, uh, when you say it's a Western, is it, a, is it meant to be in Australia in the yeah. 19th century? Yeah, in okay. the 1880s. Then it's an Aussie, an Oz western yeah. Okay, so um, this is a, these are areas that I feel aren't being utilised as much now in, in Australian um, drama, For the screen, we've we've sort of focused in upon true crime, modern sort of stuff, inner city, drug related. Mm. Uh, I just go to sleep. (laughs) I can't handle any of that anymore.
0: There is absolutely an opportunity to do genre Uh. in this country. Uh. I just don't know why we're not doing more of it because we do it very well. Yeah, that's right. When it's done, yeah. Well, you've done
1: very well. I think Andrew and Scott with Thalamos, which is going to be shown at the Sci-Fi Film Festival in Sydney and also the North Ballerine Film Festival. So, you know, take a little bow. That, that, um, to, to, to do a, a short, independent film is always difficult and to do one well, even harder. So, good on you guys and thanks very much. Thanks for, thank you.
2: Thank thanks you. for having yeah. us. This is Neil Gaiman. In the dangerous alphabet, zero, G comes last, Z waits alone and it's not for a thing.
1: And thanks a lot to the guys from Thelemos, the short science fiction film. Scott and Andrew came in to have a chat about their film. And also thanks to Elizabeth McCarthy, our Talks producer, for teeing that one up. I'm so glad that I actually got to talk to them. Um, I, that one almost went past me because I basically got slack <laughs> with my email checking and I'm glad that I did have a chance to catch up with them. This is the thing, it's, um, it's not just about the, uh, the multi-million dollar, 200 million dollar Avengers movies and that. It's about the people in Australia doing the smaller films putting it out there and you know that's the kind of thing that uh, would act as a good calling card people go yeah that's actually a pretty good film it could be expanded into a larger one perhaps or what else have you got under your hood waiting for us to go anyway all right rolling along on zero g today and i have some uh, a couple of good things and a couple of bad things that I just want to trot through. The bad things are we've lost three people within the uh, the genres reach uh, in the last week or so. Uh, Jacqueline Pierce, the uh, the British actress who was born in 1943, passed away on the third of September. Um, aged 74 uh, we know her of course from a lot of different um, science fiction and fantasy things more than I'd actually thought before I'd, I'd checked out her, uh, her resume um, she's simultaneously filmed on the same location Two Hammer horror films in 1966, The Reptile and The Plague of the Zombies. In that same year, she also appeared in the 13th carry-on movie comedy, Don't Lose Your Head, which was obviously set in the French Revolution, and in 1968, she played Jerry Lewis's on-screen wife in the comedy movie Don't Raise the Bridge, Lower the River. Uh, she was also in a lot of horror anthology series, too. Um, Shadows, uh, which had a lot of other actors in it uh, from her um, her main claim to fame. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, the Dead of Night horror anthology, The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. In 77, she was in a th- fantasy thriller series, Leap in the Dark, and also Haunted. So she got to uh, do walk-on roles into these uh, various anthology series in the 70s, did Jacqueline Pierce. Of course, in 1978, to 1981 and thereafter as well she was in the british science fiction television series blake seven where she played supreme commander president of the federation commissioner serverland <laughs> she was always the uh, elegantly dressed face of the interstellar earth-based dystopia that ruled with an iron fist in a velvet glove uh, she was great in that series a definitive um, uh, power woman in authority um, and she was quite complicated too never quite more so than in an episode I think it was in third or fourth season uh, it was actually written by the fantasy writer Tenef Lee and I thought they really caught the, uh, the character in that one but a great Persona was Servalan from Blake Seven, and Jacqueline Pierce also played the character in some voice recordings, big finish productions after that. Speaking of science fiction, she was in a Colin Baker era serial called The Two Doctors, which had um, both Colin and Patrick Troughton in it. And uh, Jacqueline Pierce played a flesh eating alien in that one and played it quite well too. Uh, chewing the scenery, if not the doctor, in that one, and um, she again did more uh, big finish audio adventures. Not playing the same character, but uh, playing a time lord or lady, if you will, uh, in Death Comes to Time, one of the big lavish big finish productions. One I didn't know about at all was a, a show called Moon Dial in 1988, where. A teenage girl discovered a portal through time and tried to help two children in the 18th and 19th centuries. And Pierce played dual roles as Miss Raven, and a modern who was a modern ghost hunter, and Miss Vol, who seemed to have lived in the 18th century. In the same year, in 88, she was in the *Born Identity telly movie, which uh, preceded all of the, the modern movies and starred Richard Chamberlain in the title role. Um, there was another one that she was in called How to Get Ahead in Advertising, which was a fantasy fantasy. And in 1991, she intersected with the careers of uh, young Kate Winslet and Russell T. Davies. Davies doing his first TV drama, a six-episode science fiction series, um, where um, she was a, uh, miss, a character called Miss Pendragon, um, and uh, the outside observers see this as a, a proto-Russell T Davies Doctor Who tryout with many similar elements popping up in his work on that series. And I've actually managed to snip out the, uh, the title of that show there. Ah, oh well. Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Do you remember that show? In 1993, she was in the Paris October 1916 episode um, where Indy had a crush on the, uh, the spy Matahari uh, and the teleplay for that one was written by Carrie Fisher And it was directed by Nicholas Rowe, The man who fell to earth and walkabout director um, Pierce played a woman whose family was supposed to show India around Paris While he was on leave from the front Her last acting credits as far as I know for television Was um, an episode of Casualty in 2006 So I'm very sorry to hear the passing of Jacqueline Pierce She was our supreme commander in Blake Seven Uh, Also, we have uh, William Edward Daly Jr., um, fondly known as Bill Daly, uh, who was born in 1927 and passed away on September 4th. Um, He was an American actor, radio host and comedian, and also a musician uh, as well, did jazz bass for a while after, uh, uh, or just before he had a stint in the US military. He was an in an artillery unit in Korea. Uh, He was also an announcer for uh, NBC television, a floor manager and a director as well. He worked on shows like My Mother, The Car, uh, Bewitched and The Munsters Today, but we mostly know him for his (laughs) uh, fossilised role in Stone, really, or at least immortalised on television, astronaut major Roger Healy in I Dream of Jeannie from 1965 to 1970 and, of course, the subsequent uh, movies, the reunion movies in 85 and 1991. He seemed to have a, a thing to playing pilots and uh, aerospace people in general because he went on to play the uh, the commercial airline navigator Howard Borden on the Bob Newhart show and did anniversary shows of that too. He was also a, a, a main character as a doctor in a couple of shows that he tried out, uh, sitcoms, didn't quite gel. Uh, But he did have a recurring role as a doctor in the Elf series. You remember that one? Uh, He also had roles in The Powers of Matthew Starr and Alligator 2, The Mutation. (laughs) I think his last uh, genre credit would have been in 2010 where he was in a movie called Horrorween. And that's um, ah, Bill Daly, who had a a great sort of um, line in bumbling sort of (laughs) craziness. Uh, also, Bert Reynolds passed away too. Now, this is a, an actor who has left a, a, a quite a considerable body of work, but not too much... Um Zero-G genre. Born in 1936, passed away on September the 6th. Uh, American actor, US-American director and producer. He does have one episode of The Twilight Zone to his credit, but you probably will know him more, if you do know him at all, from the Deliverance movie in 1972. Uh, John Borman's movie, which has its um, it's uh, strange sort of Arthurian references sprinkled throughout it, especially in the end sequence. I think that was really his, one of his big breaks for mr reynolds deliverance um i do know he was in the uh, science fiction part of the woody allen movie everything you always wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask and in the 1976 silent movie as well where he kind of played himself but his main science fiction sort of uh, claim was being in a show called well yeah science fiction fantasy so or so on um out of this world which is a um an American one, not to be confused with the British one of the same name, and that was in uh, 1987 and ran until 1991, where he played just the voice of a character called Troy Garland, who was an extraterrestrial. Now, he did a lot of voices in shows later on, as many people do, like um, Duckman, he was in that, and Duck Dodgers and Robot Chicken, and of course, Archer as well. Where um, he's justly renowned. Um, I do remember seeing him in uh, one of the Universal Soldier spin offs, at least one of those, maybe two. And also, he appeared in My Name Is Earl, which is a funny place for me to discover him again, but there he was <laughs> Burt Reynolds.
0: Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs>
1: Ah, Jacqueline Pierce, Burt Reynolds and Bill Daly. Just doing a little bit of um, eulogising on Zero-G there. Uh, I said I had some good things to say. Check out a a science fiction series on SBS on demand called Nude, which is exactly what it sounds like, and also a really good um, movie, a genre movie on um, Netflix called I Kill Giants. I thought that was a really fine one. And, of course, Iron Fist has dropped on Netflix as well. Well, that's a bit of it for Zero G today. Joe Brunetti coming up next with Astral Glamour.
0: This has been a podcast from Free Triple 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.